thank you so much for checking out my podcast, A Rock and Roll Rabbit Hole, where I dig through my record collection of about 600 records and my tiny brain. And I take a fun look at my favourite songs, artists and bits of songs that fall within a different, pointless and often stupid theme every episode. I do miss nuggets in each hole, but I only add examples that have given me some joy as a music fan or a slight Norwegian wood as a musician. I do have a website, arockandrollrabbitholepodcast.com, which has all of the previous episodes, some bonus episodes and Spotify playlists to all of the songs featured in each episode. There is high-level swearing, soft-level humour and mid-level entertainment. And if you don't like it or feel that I have missed something that I like in my record collection, then hit me up at I will never read this email at gofuckyourself forward slash rabbit hole. And I'll get back to you as soon as I can. But seriously, you can say hi on Instagram, a rock and roll rabbit hole podcast. Please rate, review, subscribe, and most importantly, share if you have a like-minded music buddy. Anyway, thanks again, and here goes. Hey guys, as always, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Two things that were super important to me up until about eight or ten years ago and now I rarely think of or miss, mainly due to the awesome online on-demand stop and start, download and consume when we like world we live in, and those two things are TV and radio. They used to be such big parts of my life. I still love my TV shows but just watch them on demand and radio I very rarely listen to. So my thinking for this one was just to dig deep and see how many songs mention TV and radio. And by the way, my record player love has remained constant even in the CD and digital age. So for episode 63, I'll dig on songs that mention TV. And for the next episode, which will be episode 64, we'll dig on radio songs. Anyway, that's plenty of fluff. Let's get to the stuff. Episode 63, TV. We have had a few TV or television mentioning songs in previous episodes. We've heard Mr. Jones by Counting Crows in several episodes, and here's its television mention. And I'm still on a bit of a high from seeing Dalimetri a few weeks ago, and a couple of songs pop into mind that have a TV mention. And the first one is Always the Last to Know, which mentions TV in the bridge. And Nothing Ever Happens also has a TV mention. Nothing happens at all. 
way back in episode one, we heard Money for Nothing by Dire Straits. And I did include this story, but that was about 85 hours ago, so I'm just going to pop it in again here. And it's a slightly different telling of the same story. But, um, but tell us about now. Tell us about Money for Nothing, which is one of the most famous songs you wrote, and where that came from. Well, I was it was in New York, and I was in a uh, I was in a kitchen appliance store, and uh, um, uh, and there you go. I mean, like you are, you know. And uh, and it had a window, a kitchen window display in the window, and then there'd be a row of microwaves or you know cookers and things like that. And then at the back of the store was a big wall of televisions all all tuned to MTV. And um, there was some bonehead who worked for the store, a great big macho guy with a you know with a check shirt on and a cap and a pair of work boots, and he'd been delivering stuff at the back. And he so he was watching MTV. And he was saying all these great lines about, you know, that ain't working, you know, that's the way you do it and stuff like that. And, the, and the, what's, that, what's that Hawaiian noise, as he was saying. And so I, was, I just thought it was so classic that uh, I went and asked for a pen and paper and um, started writing the lines down, you know. And then when I started putting it to music, again, that old finger and something, it's sort of a double... You know. So check out episode one for the longer story from Mark Knopfler about Money for Nothing, and here's the TV mentions. And I guess the multiple MTV mentions count as well. In episode 20's Brackets, we heard this monster TV mentioner. probably heard a bunch of other TV mentioning songs, but it's getting hard to keep track. My brain is getting full and shrinking at a rapid rate all at the same time. So I'm going to start the fresh meat with an Aussie TV mentioning song, and it drops it in the first line. Number one, making it the third consecutive album that they've had debut at number one on the Australian music aria charts. They're about to kick off their Rumble and Dice Roadshow tour, which starts in WA on the 30th of July. Tonight we have the premiere of Heavy Heart. So here's UMI with the single Heavy Heart. Should be. I'm like a ball. No one wants 
around anymore And all day morning head do That no con can get through It's all granola and beer And a calling card and a silk cut souvenir I miss you like sleep And there's nothing romantic about the hours I keep Mornings when it starts, I don't look so sharp. Now I've got a heavy heart. Talk a lot of another Aussie first verse mentioning TV song that easily could have gone in episode two's Girls' Names is a song about Australian TV host and magazine editor Ida Buttrose. And here's Ida by Cold Chisel. we heard from Dire Straits with Money for Nothing and they have another song which is also about a female TV journalist called Marina Warner. It was Dire Straits' third ever single and it was on their second album 1979's Communique and it also drops a TV reference in the first line and awesomely like their debut single Salt and Swing it starts with a guitar solo and do head over to the website arockandrollrabbithole.com and check out my deep dig on Dire Straits from a year or so ago. And here's Lady Rider by Dire Straits. Um, here's a beat group song now. Lady Rider. about the bad timing of this album and issues with the album's titles way back in our 4x4 episode and it's also another song that mentions TV in the first line Bleed American by Jimmy Eat World 
birthday to Bleed American. Yeah. Wow. I know. Um, that was the first album that you guys kind of went rogue and did it all on your own, right? Uh, yeah, we, we recorded Bleed American financing it ourselves and, uh, you know, not really knowing what was going to happen. Yeah. No, no management, no label, no, I think we had a booking agent. We had someone helping us out with gigs. Yeah, yeah, we did actually. Um, but yeah, just kind of just did it. Was it scary? No. Okay. <laughs> No, I mean... There were no pickles involved, so you were fine. Yeah. yeah. The pickles were banned from the sessions. <laughs> no, I don't know. I mean, I think a lot of people look at, our, look at what's happened to us as a band over the years and, like, kind of the ups and... the perceived ups and downs. But for us, I mean, that whole time was, like... It felt like uh, just constantly getting, you know, better and better. Yeah. Uh, the business side of things was just always happening in the background. And like, for us, for us, we made... I mean, I guess, I guess we could have just you know, not made a record and just you know, pocketed all the money that we were making on tour, but like our, our, we wouldn't have been able to continue to do that. So we just kind of, um, I don't know, from our perspective, I guess, I'm just rambling now, but from our perspective, it was like we would play a gig and maybe we'd be um, opening up for somebody, but the next time we'd come through town, we'd have like a, either a bigger show or we'd be opening up for a different, bigger band. And everything was just kind of going like this, so it didn't feel scary at all to, to say, like, we're just going to make our own album. Mm -hmm. But we're going to do it for real. And we're going to spend kind of a lot of money. <laughs> but you paid for it yourself, and I read that you all took day jobs at this time? Um, yeah, it wasn't until, I think, the Bleed American came out that we'd, we'd made it, like, our music our main thing. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that helped us do that, too, was... Uh, we had made the previous two records with a guy named Mark Trombino, um, and he basically agreed, like, hey, I'll make this record for free, and we'll figure it out later, like, whatever, however you're going to pay us, because we didn't have any, we weren't on a label or anything like that, so that really gave us the, like, all we really had to pay for was, like, studio time, and even though that was pricey for us back then, it was like... Uh, we wouldn't have been able to do it at all had he not like been willing to just sort of hey I'll I'll sort of I'll roll the dice with you a little yeah. bit and and we'll see where this leads and it the cool thing is that it worked out great for everyone involved because it was like we had no idea we had no we had no idea what it would become but it's sort of that that collective effort of just putting you know because like Jim said we could have just sort of you know hung out at home and you know had fun with 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 that money but mm -hmm. we didn't we we saved it and that's kind of why we needed jobs because we didn't have it wasn't like we were Everything. paying our yeah it wasn't like we were paying our expenses with what we were making because we yeah. wanted to save that money to you know for studio costs and stuff like that it's smart i am curious though what everyone's jobs was at think, that time i think we all had like like a bunch of different jobs the kinds of jobs that you could leave for months on end and come back and then still have a job. Yeah. yeah. And those jobs usually aren't very cool. All right, that's all I'm going to get, I guess. I, worked, I was working retail at like an art supply shop. Okay. And I had like that's all the SKU numbers memorized. So it was like, there was always a high turnover rate there and I, I knew everything. So it was just like, oh, okay, we'll hire you again. I just did various delivery jobs, like work. I delivered for a printing company and then uh, a car dealership and all that kind of stuff. 
Crowded House is so good, they can mention TV in the second verse and it'd still be a great song. This is the first song of their first record and it's called Mean To Me. And it's our first mention of the black and white TV. Here's a quick little story about how Crowded House got their name. We, uh, we, we got it in the lottery, but uh, once we thought of it, we, we were living in a big house together and we had a lot of... God, this is a boring question. <laughs> <laughs> We've been asked this a hundred times, Giles. Can't you do better How than that? How many times have I asked it? Poor Giles. Once. No, You've probably asked every band that's been in here. Poor the first the time. I'll ask Colin Jones, hey, how did you get the name? Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Well, we'll blame, we'll blame. I blame Nick, he blames me, Paul blames everybody, and it was no one's fault. We just chose the name, all right? We were going to be the largest living things or Barbara Stanwyck's chest. And, um, you know, we couldn't. And, but we can tell you how Colin James Hay got his name, which was given to him by his parents, and now you can ask Colin how we got ours, OK? OK. That's a good idea. Uh, do you guys live in LA now? No. Would you say no. you've settled anywhere? Melbourne, Australia, where you're from, I hear, Giles. Surprisingly enough, he's lost his accent, Neil. <laughs> oh. Oh. No, we are. We're from Melbourne. That's where all the bills go now, so yeah. that's about it, really. We, we just don't... don't spend much time there, that's all. No. And also off the Crowded House debut album is probably their most well-known song, which is also a TV mentioner. And surprisingly, it only went to number eight in Australia, despite being a classic here, but it went to number one in New Zealand, where Neil Finn is from, number two in Canada and in the US, and even number six in Norway. Six. And here's Don't Dream It's Over's TV mention. absolute great television mentioning song which has a bit of an Australian connection because the film clip was filmed here is David Bowie's Stevie Ray Vaughan featuring great bass line China Girl
Another Aussie TV mentioning song is by a band I've mentioned a few times that I loved from the 90s from Sydney called Scary Mother. And the single from that album, Lord of the Flies, is a TV mentioner. Kiwi song from the 70s and it has a television mention in the bridge Are You Old Enough by Dragon song, Disappear by In Excess, has a TV mention in the first verse. TV mentioning song from way back in 1973 that I've always loved and it's a harsh critique of what TV was back then. It's probably worse now at the lower end of the scale with so many channels, 24-hour coverage, etc. And I wonder what Frank Zappa would think about a lot of the reality TV. Anyway, here's Frank Zappa talking about the system in 1971. It's time for a revolution, but probably not in the terms that people imagine it. The word seems to conjure up images of sort of a modern-day version of 
peasants going into the street with their pitchforks to go after the bad guy who lives in a big house someplace in a hill and we're going to get that son of a bitch and we'll take all the stuff away from him and we'll give it to the workers, you know? And that's not the kind of revolution I had in mind. Which one had you in mind? Well, I thought that it might be nice if, uh, if it was handled in a little bit more modern, efficient way, you know, without people getting slaughtered in the street. It's a matter of infiltration. What kind of infiltration? Because the thing that's wrong today is that the, the people who are in control of the media and the government and you know things that, that run the lives of the average person in the street, they aren't doing a good job of it because they don't really care. And so if you just replace them, and I think that's a possibility. By whom? By interested people from the younger generation. Uh, you think they are more interested in the older ones? You think it's it's uh, a matter of uh, age? Uh, I think the potential is there in the younger generation. I don't think that right now they are really interested. Their political involvement is on a very superficial basis. You know, they're still for the they go out for the social uh, aspects of a march or a rally rather than for the. Uh, what it could possibly accomplish. And I don't think that demonstrations are uh, the best possible tactic. What do you think of the present situation here in the States, I mean, politically? Well, it's a little frightening at times. I'm still optimistic about it. Because yeah. America is such a crazy place. I mean, it's when you consider that you can elect a person like Richard Nixon just by running the proper type of television advertising campaign. It's possible that a person with an equal amount of money for the same size campaign, he spent $22 million dollars to convince a bunch of people to vote for him, that he was a good bet for the presidency. Anybody else with $22 million dollars and the right kind of PR firm could do the same thing? I know you're around for president. I thought about it a number of times before, and then the thing that always holds me back is that what would it feel like to actually be the president, you know, and have to stay in Washington, D.C., in that house for four years? That'd be pretty grim. I saw already some stickers, Frank Zappa for president. I haven't seen any stickers. I've seen some little cards that somebody printed up. I didn't have anything to do with them. But it's true. I had thought about it. I've thought about politics a number of times, but... You can't do it all just from the presidency. The president doesn't have the absolute control in the United States because you have to. the power is divided up between him and the, the Senate and the Congress and the rest of that crap. And if you go in there and you can't work in conjunction with the people who are in the Senate and the Congress, you can't get anything done. The TV mentioning song is called I'm the Slime. And Frank actually played it live on Saturday Night Live way back in 76. And the song actually features Tina Turner on backing vocals, but she was uncredited. The sessions were recorded at Ike Turner's studio, and when he heard the finished song, he said, And I quote, What is this shit? And insisted that Tina's involvement not be credited on the album. And here's I'm the Slime by Frank Zappa. Bird. 
but you can't look away. I make you think I'm delicious with the stuff that I say. I'm the best you can get. Have you guessed me yet? I'm the sign oozing out from your TV set. You will obey me while I lead you in the garbage that I feed you. Until the day that we don't need you, don't go for help, no one will heed you. Your mind is totally controlled, it has been stuffed into my mold, and you will do as you are told until the lights you are sold. Another Melbourne song that has a great line, the TV's on, that's what it's for, is Frente's Accidentally Kelly Street. And a song we heard a few episodes back is the Kaiser Chiefs Never Miss a Beat, which starts the second verse with a television mention. We heard Neil Finn from Crowded House talk about a black and white TV and ACDC have a song that mentions a colour TV. Quickly, here's Bon Scott answering some stupid question in Tasmania back in 1977. And check out the Gold Magic tab on the website and watch the hilarious clip where Bon keeps using his middle finger to lift up and down his sunglasses, clearly flipping the bird to the interviewers. And he drops an episode six F-bomb nugget at the end. 
What about here in Hobart? I understand I mean, that the city fathers did, did, are also... Did you, hang on. Did you see um, Bill Haley or Elvis Presley or... Uh, not that you look that old, of course. <laughs> yes, yes, we saw them. Yeah. But were they uncouth? No. Probably not. To your parents, were they? Yeah, yeah, we're not, no. Listen, I understand the Hobart City Fathers are trying to put a clamp on your concert here as well. Any truth in it? Yeah, well, I'll be really... Oh. <laughs> are the police uh, going to come to the concert and your police are pretty heavily? Only if they pay. Oh, someone <laughs> said earlier, they don't pay, okay, you didn't you? Someone said earlier on that the police were your biggest fans, is that correct? Uh, in some places, yeah. Those that are paid to get in, yeah. They've seen the band, yeah. They're, they, they write letters and all, yeah. They're bond. <laughs> There's a new uh, pop group in uh, England called the Sex Pistols. They, people are saying that they're modelling themselves on you. Is that correct? Is there really? Yeah. Have you heard about them? Never. Or are you modelling yourselves on them? On who? Sex Pistols. Don't know them. Some say you're... Don't wig at me. <laughs> Some say you favour punk rock more than anything else. Um, yeah. Do you, you read the papers too? <laughs> do you see this as music or um, as grassroots music or what? I see us as music. I see punk rock as nothing. Do you think it's just simply outrageous noise? Oh, no. Uh, those guys have got it. They're making a statement, you know. I mean, it don't mean nothing, but they're making a statement like that. Do you describe yourselves as outrageous, then? No. Or violent? Rock and roll. A straight rock group? Yeah. Nothing else. What's your biggest following in Australia, amongst what age, which age group? Police force. Apart from them. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. Um, well, you guys, you know. <laughs> I mean, you're sitting here asking the question, you know. Do you like me? Yeah. But you're up on there. You're up <laughs> on stage does. every night. <laughs> You're yeah. up on stage every night. Who do you see in front of you most nights? Angus. Are they 12 year old? He never gets out of my way. Listen, how important was your trip to England? Uh, yeah, great. Yeah. The English people, English crowds, European audiences, the whole thing, you know, it was great. I'd, I'd marry them all tomorrow. In fact, I have to. They understand you better than the Australian audience? Uh, they never. Yeah. In what way? Huh? No, with it. <laughs> no, no, they're just uh, more uh, susceptible to um, to a rock and roll man's advances. Many people see your use of indecent language in your act as well outrageous. Do you see it as an essential part of your act? <laughs> I've never said fuck on stage yet. <laughs> you just said it. Now. <laughs> Here's the coloured TV mentioning TNT.
it's hard to to imagine what Ireland was like when my mother and father got married. Um, my father was a Catholic. My mother was a Protestant. Big deal, you might say. But it, it, it was a very big deal in those days. The country was being torn apart along sectarian lines. Uh, my father's family didn't show up at the wedding. Um, in our house, there was changes made to so as not to, you know, not to bring up, you know, um, <laughs> um, sore subjects. You know, although I, I, all I remember is arguing about religion as we grew up. But my father and my mother really tried to preserve it, us from it, and. I remember driving uh, across the border, and my father saying, "This is a border. That, you know, it, um, England claims this. This is our country, um, but England claims it, and they, under threat of war, they forced us to 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 to, to cut off a piece of our country." And I said to him, so, "So you're a Republican? You know, you support the sort of." the IRA and you support the, the armed struggle to return wholeness to the country. And he said, no, 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 no. He said, oh, no, no, no. He said, no, no, I, I'm just telling you what I think. He said, is it worth fighting for with um, taking lives? No, no, no. And he, he quoted, um, I think it was Singh. Maybe it was Singh. What is Ireland but a place that keeps my feet from getting wet? And so my father had a very suspicious view of paramilitaries and people fighting for freedom and uh, cynical about them. The way to say John Lennon, I think, got in times, it's like, uh, uh, so I grew up with that. Um, but when we wrote Sunday, Bloody Sunday, I just tried as, as, a, as a lyricist, and it's, it's not much of a lyric, really, but it's... It has one original thought, which is that it contrasts Easter Sunday, which was uh, the, the rising in Ireland. It's 100 years, actually, in 2016. It's 100 years since 1916 when Ireland rose up at Easter in revolt against Britain. And it contrasts Sunday, Bloody Sunday, which was a... Uh, a massacre that happened um, in Derry uh, in the early 70s where British um, uh, paratroopers opened fire on a peaceful protest. It contrasts these events with um, the resurrection. And, and that, was, that was a bit of a trip. I think, I think that was audacious at the very least to do that. And it has this martial beat, you know, um, and the, the great irony was that when our album War came out, a lot of people on the in the Republican side, you know, on the uh, worst, like Jerry Adams, who ran Sinn Fein, which was the political wing of, of the paramilitaries, had a picture of of War in his office. And look to this song, Sunday Bloody Sunday, which is reminding everyone of the injustice the British did to us. And then he found out, was, you know, that we're non-violent, and we were we were taking a very different approach. Uh, things changed for us a little bit with that community. Indeed, we then campaigned in the United States against NORAID, 
uh, NORAID was an organization that raised money in the United States to send home to buy guns and bombs. And there was a very romantic view in America at the time of the Irish freedom fighters. We have to support them. And they're not realizing we're blowing up kids in supermarkets. And, you know, and so, so you, that song, as I say, was very misunderstood. Um, and then it had me at some live show that we put out called Under Blood Red Sky declaring it is not a rebel song. This is not a rebel song, which is which was uh, quite rebellious. So suddenly, really suddenly, the song's taken on a completely new found meaning on the Innocence and Experience tour. Sing it from this other place. Take away the, the, the kind of rock and roll approach. It's more acoustic. Um, and it, it, it seems to mean more now that we have peace. It reminds people, and we used images on the tour to remind people of where, where this song came from. But it reminds people that I hope by us playing it that that uh, the division is never physical, like a border. Real borders are in people's hearts, the way we see each other, and and I think that's that can be applied to. Um, to all kinds of situations. In fact, I've rewritten the lyric a few times. If you can find it, there's a. I did a version of it in in the Hollywood Bowl with Edge, um, which was applied to what's going on in um, in the Middle East and the troubles there, in Israel and Palestine and the like. So. When There's a man there you know He's the host of the show And you'll find that he fucking hates choirs Good evening all my friends and welcome to my house. I just want to say thank you for all the great years of allowing me, Poison, and the Brett Michaels band to be out on the road making music. I can't do it without you, so thank you very much. Tonight I've got some classic acoustic songs I'd love to do, a couple Poison songs, and then later on down the road we're going to do some of the solo stuff, kind of put it all together. This song I love to do is called Something to Believe In, and I wrote this right after one of my very, very best friends passed away. His name was Chemo, and uh, this song, uh, it saved my life. It truly did. I was very emotional at that time, very um, very troubled, very depressed, uh, knowing I'd lost my best friend over Christmas. And, um, and so music uh, truly 
was therapeutic in helping me to be able to deal with it. And on top of that, it was a six or seven minute song and you all allowed that to be played on radio. You made it um, the number one song on MTV at the time and I can't thank you enough for that. Um, I always dedicate this, as I'm a veteran's son, I always dedicate this song to all of our men and all of our women in the armed forces that truly kick ass to give us the freedom that we get every single day and, uh, and we love them for that. The freedom of opinion, the freedom to look the way we want and do the things we want, the sacrifice they make and uh, that played a big part in this song as well. Um, a lot of stuff, the homeless in this country and um, so uh, I hope you enjoy it and this is going to be called Something to Believe in. All right. Well, I see him on the TV Preaching about the promised lands He tells me believe in Jesus Steals the money from my hands Some say he was a good man Lord, I think he this TV mentioner. Jars Get Out of My Head has a first verse TV mention. Now, 
definite television mention without saying the word TV or television. Midnight Oil have a great TV mentioning song where they drop the line, the TV never lies, in Armistice Day. Y'all watching people fighting, y'all watching people losing on Armistice Day. Y'all watching people fighting, y'all watching people losing on Armistice Day. The watchers do the winsome, reporters so convincing, the TV never lies. I went looking for a war, and the only guns I saw, never used in anger. Y'all watching people fighting, y'all watching people losing on Armistice Day. The fixers do the fixing, the locals do the lynching, the papers deny. I went looking for a headline, got talking to the backline, they never see me action. Anyway, that will do it for the TV mentions. And as I said, I'll do a radio mentions episode next time. And if you're listening to this episode on either the 16th of March or the 17th of March, 2023, tomorrow night, Friday, the 17th of March, my band Pretty Follies are playing at the Brunswick Ballroom, nine o'clock free entry. Come and see how good I can play bass with a broken finger. Thanks to Andrew Collier for bread offerings. I will take you up on that again one day, mate. And as always, thanks for listening. Please rate, share, review, all that shit. And I will leave you with my favourite TV mentioning song. And that has to be a song that has 741 ranting words in it. And it's No Surrender by Justin Curry off his What Is Love For album. And I counted them. The song has 560 different words in it. And the last four are Surrender, which I missed in my Triple Up episodes. And the 191st thing he says is TV. And here's the whole song. Thanks again for listening, and I hope to catch you soon. See ya.
the fat Locale wraps for the call center battery hens Japanese snacks for the choice boat citizens Caviar kickbacks for the citadel denizens Airport shoe shine service in the suits Among the little silver stereos and hand-rolled cheroots First-class passengers fight on last After the scum are packed in with their tax-free loot Check out calamity, you cheated out of loyalty points Ten more years at this joint, you'd be home and dry Beggars beat round the cash machine But you just slip between them with the usual lie Terrible tales of kidnapped kids Keep you focused on the family and filling up the fridge Neighborhood watchers, shop door dodgers Stick their semis on the market and start racking up the bids Should you stand and fight? Should you die for what you think is right? So your useless contribution will be remembered If you're asking me, I say no Surrender Cancerous cure, a swarming race of profiteers ensure Cheap cars for the rich, cheap lives for the poor Cheap weeks in the sun, free drinks at the door Pure our propaganda plugs up the TV Keep folk following the money so they'll never be free Keep them swallowing the swill, the celebrities, the pedophiles The immigrants invading from the camp over the hill War talk, the big debate Foot soldiers in the capital Liberating new kinds of hate Come shots of human dogs caught And the spotlights glare He dies, who dares? Fatuous fast tracker Sneering at the shelf stackers Little middle Englanders Can't stand the backpackers Fortress freedom, come on in Take your chances, you might Stand and fight Should you die for what you think is right So your useless contribution will be remembered If you're asking me, I say no Surrender Sunset beaches, security patrol Keep out the undesirables who don't accept the code Equal opportunity to live in total poverty Execute the ignorant, incarcerate the slow Carcaressing managers choking up the avenues Brain-dead patriots standing in salute Paperwork raining again and again So that billionaires can claim there's an enemy to shoot Doorstepers, personal goal shoppers, lifestyle trendsetters, meditating mind benders, 
Airbrain shear sellers pumping out stocks Till you're choking on a chain Let an avalanche of dross God squads trawling through every country Tracking down fools who are bullshit hungry Blinded by divinity Followers fall into the man trap Sat along the way wall Wild tanks flatten streets and the nation laughs Visa holders gape at the changing gods And creeps bribe bums to take their photographs Film fans flock to the latest flock Blockbusters block out even the vaguest thought Bankrupt schools grind out fool after fool And feed them to a system where idiots rule Polling booths, phone votes, bogus questionnaires You get a say as if anybody cares Joe Public doesn't want to play So liquidate his life as he looks the other way Don't get sick, don't get wise All the gun you with a justice where everything is lies March down Main Street, complain if you want But it's 20 years straight for the losers at the Asking me, I say no, surrender. If you're asking me, I say no, surrender. Surrender. What's that?